When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome back to another exciting edition of the Pointless Exercise podcast. It's a special spring edition of the Bears podcast. Because I don't know if, if everybody remembers this, there was a draft last week. And so with me is Mike Pusateri. He's going to, uh, we're going to talk about the about the Bears draft. We're going to break it down in detail. We're going to go through every pick. We're going to talk for hours about the Bears draft. And then, uh, because I am holding him hostage, I have a whole bunch of TV stuff I want to talk to him about. So, uh, Mike, how are you? There ain't no draft no more, son. There was one. <laughs> I, I saw it's all you tweeted that out <laughs> uh i'm doing well i just i need to, i do need to clear something up before we begin because there's been a lot of stuff a, a social media controversy about this Uh-oh. i, I want to make this very clear i am not the person who leaked the story out of the supreme court i am not the leaker no. so get off me people okay uh yeah i'm doing well ready to uh Let's, let's, we've got a whole, I, I, folks heard the beer cracking open that Andy just did. That's, uh, that, that's, that's oh, I feel bad. We didn't, there's no remember <laughs> this crap this week. It'll be back next week. Uh, Donahue always makes sure. And sometimes you can hear he, he, he ends up in the bag in quite a few of these of, you'll hear multiple cracks of beers as Mike is, is okay. Uh, so that's kind of an homage. Yeah. To, yeah. Nice. The other Mike. Very good. Yeah. Bourbon doesn't crack. So you won't hear no, me. That's drinking. right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so Mike, where can the, uh, where can everyone see what you're up to these days? Uh, all the fine folks can find me uh, as always on the Twitters at, uh, at Mike Pusateri and hit me up on IMDB. I am Mike Pusateri too. Uh, as, as always, you can find this podcast and the, uh, subscription newsletter at pointlessexercise.com. And if you go to discipio.com, you can buy a... Valus Jones School of Technology t-shirt. I saw that. That's handsome. Yes. I John like Greenberg it. basically told me I had to make one, so I did. Yeah. And you can also get a Prospect Pervert t-shirt, too. Yes, you, you can. <laughs> yes, I stole that right from Andrew Cieslak. Nice. I, you know, it's, I'll, steal, I'll steal from the best. There you go. Uh, so, yeah, so the Bears, uh, the Bears, they, they had six draft picks. Is that right? Six? Six. We'll start. Six yeah. draft picks. None in the first round because they they traded that pick away last year for some uh, some guy named uh, Justin Fields. Mm-hmm. And um, so this year they took with the remaining picks they had and they loaded up on offense to help make Justin Fields the quarterback that we all think that he that he can be. Mm-hmm. Used them all on offense. 
Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh no, that's right. They they didn't. No, um, they did not. They did not. <laughs> and it did. It 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 didn't just irritate bear fans. It it enraged several of them. Yes. Um, I understand that. Uh, however, um, it certainly looks like, and I'm no draft. I'm no Mel Kiper because I'm vaccinated. That's right. Um, the the first two picks. I mean, the defense was pretty fucking bad too. You and I know we had to talk about it every week. Yeah, those two guys look like they're probably pretty good players. Those two cornerbacks look like they're going to be, you know, mainstays on that defense for you know four, five, six years. That that is great. Yep. The problem I have, and we've talked about this before, and if you're only listening for the first time, people go listen to our Bears podcast. You'll you'll get enlightened, and you'll well, you'll know good. all this stuff. There's uh, 18 of them from last year. Yeah, a season preview, and then every week. Oh, and then a dra- no, and then we had to do one when they fired everybody, and then we had to do one when they hired the new guys. So there's uh, twenty. There's loads of entertainment out there for so, you. Pause this. Go listen yes. to those twenty podcasts. <laughs> Come back. Come back in four weeks when you're done and start listening. But the thing that we, you know, the thing that we talked about, one of the things was that it's really not all that difficult for an NFL team to develop a competent defense. The Bears themselves have done that very well throughout their history. The thing that is really, 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 really difficult to do is to develop a top five state-of-the-art NFL offense, which is arguably something the Bears have never done. So when you hire Eberflus, you're, you know, I, I, you're like, oh, here we go, another defensive guy. And then you see these first picks going on cornerbacks. It kind of made, made me feel a little bit like, you know, this is kind of the same. Same old thing. Even though I think those two guys are great, they, they'll they could have great careers. That defense does need a lot of help, as you said. Uh, but again, a competent NFL defense is not relatively that hard to build. A great uh, offense is. Mike, how quickly you forget? Do we need to go through the hits <laughs> philosophy again? The H, the H is nice. for the H is for. That's how I love how I love you. How that's hits and how how hits. <laughs> Hey, coach. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, Does it make you know. feel any better, though, that the first two picks, cornerback yeah. Kyler Gordon from Washington and safety Javon Brisker, Jaquan mm-hmm. Brisker, that's how good he is, from Penn State. The last two years, do you know how many penalties combined those two guys committed? Well, see, I don't know. Uh, it can't be many uh, if you're if you're citing this. It stat. is a ridiculous number. It is zero. Zero is Neither a low one number. one of them was called for a single penalty in the wow. last two seasons. That's right. That's right. And that's what the P in hits is for. It's penalties. Avoid penalties. Them. Yes. <laughs> that was just kind of a unique um, uh, thing. So really, I think where it gets down to... So um, Ryan Poles obviously got asked about this. And what he said was the receivers that they really liked were guys they were we're going to go in the first round and they didn't have any ammo to trade up. If they trade up to try to get the first round, you're just Ryan pace again. And one of the big problems the bears have on their current roster is because pace kept trading guys, kept trading picks to get the, you know, the guy he really had to have. Mm-hmm. There's very little good young talent on the bears at any position. Right. And polls basically said, we couldn't, we just couldn't do that. We couldn't sacrifice a pick to move up to get somebody. Mm-hmm. 
So I think the head scratcher though was when not so much that they they picked the two defensive guys in the second round because if you get guys that project to be starters for you, that's kind of what you're looking for in the second round. Right. It's in the third round <laughs> where they took, uh, they they went they flipped through the Jed Hoyer playbook and they yeah. went out to find the oldest rookie they could find, and that right. would be, uh, not not Velvet Jones. Although I, if it had really been Velvet Jones, I would have been completely for it. I wouldn't have bothered me at all. <laughs> uh, it was uh, Vellis Jones Jr. Yes. Um, and even he, though, is a – everybody gets hung up on the fact that he's 25 years old, which is weird. Yeah. A lot of picks were a year older than typical this year because of everybody got an extra year if they needed it for, of eligibility for COVID. He's actually even another year older because he transferred from USC to Tennessee. Right. He is one – he, he has a really odd distinction, however. He was – all Pac-12 and all SEC in his that, career, which is very impressive. Yeah. He um, he led the nation in yards after catch last year, mm-hmm. and he is a um, he's an accomplished kick returner. The problem you get into is when they're like, "Oh, he's just he's basically a smaller Cordero Patterson." <laughs> like, <laughs> we had the we had the adult size one, and it wasn't that. Yeah, good. right. We don't need a smaller one. No. Um, polls claimed that he sat down, him and Fields watched uh, f- film of the top receivers in the draft. And film. Justin g- g- had a few guys that he wanted, that he liked. Mm-hmm. And, and Vellis was on the list of guys that Justin Fields said, hey, I like this guy. Let's get this guy. He was probably thinking, hey, this would be a good guy to use a six-round draft pick on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. I didn't mean like, draft him that high. A, yeah, Justin called, I didn't put a third-round grade on <laughs> Vellis Jones. <laughs> Yeah, well, you know, and in five years, Vellis Jones can start at first base for the Cubs. So that's the that's the other good part about all this. Yeah, uh, somebody, I, somebody, I think they meant it as, a, a, I think they meant it like to be reassuring, and then I took it as a joke, and then I it was was basically, it's not that big of a deal to draft a twenty five year old because the average NFL career is only three <laughs> years long. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I saw that. Yeah, he is. Um, he is older than James Daniels. Ah, great. But that guy uses an example because James Daniels, one of the assets, one of the things that, that Pace bragged about when the Bears picked him was that he was only 20 years old. Yeah. And they said, well, that's great. But then it's also that you, get, you bring a 20-year-old into the NFL, it's probably a bigger adjustment than a 22-year-old. For sure, and I'm sure at some point that it, James, it all caught up, and I'm sure James Daniels will do fine for the Steelers this year, as that's what he's <laughs> playing for now. Yeah, with Mitch. Oh, speaking of the uh, speaking of the first round of the draft, which we kind of did. Uh, how about Mitch getting to play the Mike Glennon role? <laughs> of a role, signing, a role. <laughs> signing with the team as to be their starter and then sit there during the draft party and go, oh, they drafted a quarterback in the first round. <laughs> it, you know, it is it is a role that Mitch was born for, yeah, though. I hear so. somewhere Glennon was like, aha, fuck you. <laughs> How do you like me now, Mitch? <laughs> <laughs> so we get to yeah. day uh, three of the draft, and the Bears have three picks. Everybody's like, that's not enough. This is the Bears went into the draft with fifty-five players on their roster. You can have Oof. ninety. Yeah. They had fifty five. Not a lot. Not a lot. 
Um, Ryan Poles, though, he he was well aware of that. And a, yeah. bl- a blizzard of trades. <laughs> he turned three picks into eight. Yes. And old Hub lost his shit. Hub didn't like that, did he? No. Hub, Hub didn't really Hub. like anything. Really. The Hubcap. Yeah. He's like, oh, if one trade is great. Now, now you're starting to outsmart yourself. And it's like, Hub, the whole idea, right? You're, the last three rounds, they're all lottery tickets. They're all lottery picks. Yeah, you might so as literally, Poles tickets. is just trading lottery tickets for more lottery tickets. Yeah, I had no problem at all no. with, with what he did there. In fact, all. there are a lot of people That's who think that, that the guy they picked, uh, not the former uh, Dolphins um, linebacker, Zach Thomas. But the uh, Zach Thomas from, I believe, San Diego State. Is that where he's mm. from? That the Bears took. There are a lot of people who re- think he has a chance to be really good. And that, uh, although this might this might tell you where the Bears offensive line stands right now, could very well <laughs> be the starter at right guard. <laughs> right. Well, that's where Chris Bryant went, right? San Diego State? San Diego. He just went to San Diego. He went okay. to San Diego. He didn't, okay. going, went, didn't not, go to the state. state. Yeah. Well, the thing is, there's no difference between pick number 158 and, or 151 and 168. It's all the same. So that that was a very intelligent move. Yeah. Might as well load up on yeah, lottery that, picks. They're young guys, guys who are under 25, and see what we got. So all of the the fact, you know, after the first, after their first day of the draft, the second day, hadn't taken any offensive linemen. They got four. Yeah. Um, okay. Didn't have you a know. punter because, uh, <laughs> Well, what's his name? I can't even think of his name. I'm telling you. It's a Packer now. <laughs> Brad, let's go Brad Maynard whenever we talk about punters. Maury Buford has moved up. Maury Buford. How about Bob Parsons? How about Bob Parsons? Why can't Parsons? I think of the punter's name? He was there. He was the longest tenured Bear. He'd been there for 10 All, years. All-time Bears punter, Bob Parsons. <sighs> no, doesn't matter now. Everybody's no, yelling at their radio. It's, it's late. So anyway, they, uh, they come address that. Then... Then an undrafted free agents, they went nuts. Signed twenty yeah. of them. So now they got a whole, they got a full roster. It's bad, yes. but it's a full roster. Yes. Um, but some intriguing names on the undrafted free agent list, like Jake Tongs, which looks like tongues. He's a tight end from Cal. Mm-hmm, How about this mm-hmm. guy, Master Teague from Ohio State, a running back. Great name, Master gotta like Teague. That. He's got to make it Master just on name Teague. alone. Yes, for sure. Um, uh, they got a guy from Duquesne, Cyrus Holder, right? Landon nice. Lenore from SIU. So we really cleaned up on uh, on names here. Uh, a guy that a lot of because uh, it's it, there's way too many like University of Wisconsin guys in our yeah. media. They're very excited about Jack Sanborn, linebacker from Wisconsin, who yeah. a lot of people had as a six round pick, and the Bears got him as an undrafted free agent. Wow, what a coup! And they, somebody said, "Well, he could, he'll start at the uh, Sam linebacker for the Bears." Yeah, and they're like, "Really?" And then I guess Eberflus explained that the way they run the defense, the Sam linebacker plays about ten percent of the snaps. Pat, o- <laughs> Pat, Pat O'Donnell. Pat O'Donnell. I'm sorry, Pat. I forgot. Uh, led, the, led the league at punting the last few years because he always had a lot of field in front of him. He could just let it boom. Yeah. No direct. You don't have to worry about directional punting when you're kicking from your own twenty all the time. Right. Just let her rip. They didn't draft a long snapper. Worried about that. Um, mm-hmm. They still have Patrick Scales, but he's, uh, you know, it's about time to waste a draft pick on a long snapper so you have a backup. So what does all this say about, about the upcoming season? Oh, I they're going to be bad. That's what it says. That's and what it, it sounds says. like they're kind of going to be bad on purpose. Kind of does. 
But they're not going to call it a rebuild, I'm sure. But it's they're going to be kind of bad. So apparently, <laughs> the reason that they they down they have to downplay the fact that they're rebuilding because it really sounds like Poles has a uh, a two year plan to get the Bears back to greatness. Oh and year one was basically get all the crap off the roster so we have a right. copious amounts to to spend next year and don't do anything to cost yourself a draft pick. So you have a full, he wants Compliment. a year from yeah. now for them to have, a, they'll have $120 million worth of cap. Right. And they'll have all their picks. And then yes. which he can then maybe turn in even more picks. Right. Um, it, but they said that George is like super averse to the word rebuild. So they said, <laughs> you'll never hear Poles or Eberflus say it. Okay. Even though it's clearly what they're doing. It was right. clear once they traded Khalil, that was basically, and they let Akeem Hicks go. It was basically like, okay, we're not even going to try to just patch. We're not going to try to limp along and go nine and eight. Yeah. Um, going to do that. So George has Tom and Jed on speed dial, basically. Is that what's going on? Oh, they're just not telling George. George doesn't know they're re- they're not rebuilding. George thinks they're trying to win the Super Bowl. Oh, he, right. Because they can't he tell him because buy- he get mad. And, and he would buy the fact that, oh, we are trying to win the yeah. Super Bowl. Yeah, they were, they told him before the draft, we're a master Teague away from beating the Packers. <laughs> right. All we need is a the 25 year old rookie. We got it, George. Holy shit, we did it, George. George, we can corner the market on 25 year old rookies <laughs> and watch this team take off like a rocket. Yeah, yeah. I it would be great when it if George Googled. Uh, Velus Jones right after the pick and ended up watching the Velvet Jones. The Eddie, Mur- uh, the Eddie Murphy. Yeah, that'd be great. Oh, he's a, he's an entrepreneur. Uh, yeah. You might want to pay attention to the whole video. I like hey, the... Uh, I had never Mom, s- Mom, come here. Watch it. <laughs> yeah, they showed the second one where Velvet is doing the calisthenics, which I had forgotten about. That's that's maybe my, my favorite Velus Jones or Velvet Jones bit. Yeah. Uh, Vel- I don't know if you remember when Eddie came back to SNL. In 2019, um, Velvet also made an appearance. Mm-hmm. He was a contestant on Black Jeopardy, <laughs> where all the answers were him with a new book to plug. He would just pull one out. He's like, this is not a talk show. You're supposed to answer the questions. But it just feels to be fine. He's still got, he's got, a, he's got an all-pro tight end and Cole Komet. Uh, yeah. Right. He's got a heavy legged running back, Dave Montgomery. Everybody got got to have one of those. Um, now you do kind of wonder. Now we're getting into now you get into free agency 2.0 because there are a bunch of free agents who don't sign until after the draft, the uh, like real free agents, not off the street rookie free agents. Right. Guys who didn't get the offer they want in the first decide. Okay, let's wait till after the draft. Teams will be like, shit, we didn't get we didn't fill this need. Now we got we got to spend some money. There's also the opportunity that the Bears might make trades for next year's draft picks. And there's already talk that, you know, what could they get for Robert Quinn? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What could you get for David Montgomery? Mm-hmm. I would trade both of those guys in a heartbeat. Well, there, first of all, there's no bigger Bob Quinn fan than you. I think no, we've established I love Bob. that. I love him. Two years ago, <laughs> nobody loved him more than I did two years ago. It's a big play, Bob. It's great. Right, right, right. And your point about Montgomery has always been, yeah, he's a good running back, but those guys are relatively easy to find in the yes, NFL. It's a dime so. a dozen. I have a feeling there really is no, there's no market for Montgomery, I don't think. Probably not, yeah. 
Yeah. Um, he was a third. He was a third round pick originally. I don't think you could get a third round pick for him now because teams would be like, I wouldn't think so. Teams would be like, yeah, he's pretty good, but we have to pay him more. Yes. And right. he's old, he's older now. And we've been watching the film and you guys managed to get him hit right at the handoff on every play. He has to break four yeah. tackles to get to the line of scrimmage. How many right. miles does he have left on him? Yeah. Probably not that many more. Um, yeah. I do think they might be able to get, you know, a, a decent pick for Quinn. Um, and then the reason you would do it is we're not going to be very good. And he's never put two good years back to back. So I know and we want to talk about. He had a great year last year. What are the odds yes. he has a good year this year? But he's old. I don't know what, if he has much value. So I know we want to talk about television and better call Saul and things like this. But one thing I do want to, before we, before we depart the Bears portion of this, one thing that has seemed to be um, talked about quite a bit recently for I'm not exactly sure why is this notion that the Bears are supposedly not committed to Justin Fields. And I think this is largely a media-driven narrative that certain guys with access to grind are putting out there. But what, what, is, what, is your, what are your thoughts on this situation? Um, and, uh, Ryan Poles took the job. A big, a big part of the reason he took it was because Justin Fields was on the roster. Right. Uh, Eberflus, he said that, but I think uh, Matt – would have taken any job. <laughs> he would have said it. He was gonna, I love Mitch. Mitch is great. Oh, you got Mike Phipps? Mike Phipps, fantastic. We, we can build around Mike. Mike, we got the Phipps. We got H and Phipps. That's the P. Um, I mean, it's not like they haven't given him anything. I mean, they did. They signed Equinemius St. Brown. I mean, come on. See, there, there you go. Right. They got Byron Pringle, and then Byron went out and got himself arrested for doing donuts in a parking lot in Florida. <laughs> Wait, the other guy, the man quite literally is a saint, and they signed him. So let's 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 give him credit. Now, yeah. So Equinemia St. Brown is the one who went to Notre Dame. His brother, Amon Ra St. Brown, went to USC. Do you know he has another brother? And what, do you know what that brother's name is? Daryl? Is it Daryl? <laughs> Daryl has other brother, Daryl. <laughs> Osiris. Oh, like uh, Os- like uh, the Warriors, Cyrus. Osiris, which is like Osiris, an Egyptian. Yeah. Amon Ra, some kind of like Egyptian god. Osiris. Yeah. Uh, Equinemius, uh, the dad just thought it sounded cool. You know, we should, I know I'm getting it. We should, have you, are you a Warriors fan? The movie, The Warriors? I've seen it a couple of times, yeah. Okay, because that might be a, that might be at some it's point like a movie. Warriors, come on, come play. On, yeah, maybe. Okay. Speaking of Cyrus, we should think about that. All right, but back to the Bears and Justin Fields. So, so, so the so we are both enormous. We are both big Justin Fields fans. We believe the Bears are committed to him. There, there has been this narrative started by some out there that the Bears are supposedly not as committed to them as they say they are. But, but your take on that is, I think it's bullshit. Yeah. Um, he. Like you could say this about almost all the first round quarterbacks last year. Had he been in the draft this year, he's the number one pick in the draft. Right. Um, he didn't do anything to scare you. It wasn't like, holy shit, this guy can't play. Right. There were moments that were terrible, but we know he was being hamstrung by <laughs> the dumbest coach in the NFL. And there were <laughs> moments where you just, his talent was undeniable. It's like, holy yes. shit, look at this. Right. I think that it, it, I think it's safe to say the plan for him this year is, um, you know, they're putting in the new offense with the great Luke Getze. He's going to put the Packer mm-hmm. offense in. And the, I think the plan really is we're going to 
protect him. Mm-hmm. Even if it means we have to keep extra blockers in and do whatever. Um, and we're just we're going to become a functional NFL offense, one that it, we can project that in a year from now, if we add an impact player or two to the offense, all of a sudden we're good. Right. I think their whole plan this year is to have a competent NFL offense, which they didn't have last year. Right. It's not going to be all that exciting, I don't think. Um, but they've got a lot to figure out. They got to figure out are Tevin Jenkins and Larry Borum your tackles, and if they are, which side is which? Because in apparently in in uh, the it's not training camp, what do they call it? <clears throat> that they just had mini camp. Yeah, they were the tackles, but Larry was the left tackle. Mm-hmm. Tevin was the right tackle. I don't care. I just don't want to see Justin Fields get sacked nine times and a half again, like he did in Cleveland. Well, that's the other goal of this season, right? Is to get Justin Fields through it healthy. Yes. Yeah. And they have uh, Trevor Simeon to be his backup, so we're set. And he has <laughs> Justin needs to take a week off. None to worry. We're going to Trev. Yeah, he's the Andrelton Simmons of the Bears quarterback room. I thought the big news draft week, not just for the Bears, but for every, for just in general, was the Bears agreeing to release Nick Foles. Yes. End of an era. What an earthquake that was, yeah. I'm sure he can go somewhere where you can beat Tom Brady again. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's all I got on the Bears, I think. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, it's a transition year. That's a, probably the best way we yeah. think we could say about maybe it. Right? It's a maybe they'll shock. Maybe they'll, maybe they'll thrill the nation with their T formation. <laughs> they'll win the Super Bowl a year early. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Probably, yeah. Uh, probably not. I'll spend an hour talking about the Cubs. Okay, great. Did you enjoy the uh, Crosstown Classic? Did not. No. No. Um, I, you know, the Cubs, they're bad, but they don't <laughs> have to be. They don't have to be this bad. No. Their yes. manager is starting guys and making weird decisions that are just really exasperating the problem. And the one thing I just want to say about this, since we're talking about the Cubs is because I see a lot, you know, you and I, I think, I think charitably said, okay, let's, let's, we don't really know about David Ross. Let's see what he can do. The more we see the less confident, I think we have the less confidence we have in him. And it occurred to me that, you know, they hired Ross not to be the head of this rebuild, of a, of a young team that's no. coming up. No, they hired him to win another World Series yep. with his buddies. The, the plan was they were going to have two cracks at it, 20 and 21. Right. And right. then maybe Dave would have to uh, endure a quick retooling of the Cubs. Exactly. Um, then the pandemic came and, you know, 2020 ended up being a short season. And for three weeks. He looked like a genius. He went thirteen and three. Right, right. But the point is, they didn't. They they hired him to be like, okay, you're the guy. You're the guy. You can be the the red ass who can get your buddies to play hard yes. because evidently they saw the show Madden. Quinn. He's never done that. The only guy he right, ever yelled but, at was Wilson Contreras because Wilson was basically saying what everybody could see, which was that um, nobody was playing hard. Right, and but now that's not the case. Obviously, now they're in the middle of a rebuild. They did not. My point is, they did not hire David Ross to be the manager of a rebuild. 
Well, they, they gave him a him contract to... extension to be the manager of a rebuild. Yes, which is ridiculous. Yes, there was no reason to do that. None. There, so there are very few got managers who can take a championship, you know, caliber team and win a World Series. There's very few of those guys. There's very few guys who could take a young, super talented team and rebuild them into something, a la Joe Madden. There's very few of those guys. There's almost no guys who can do both. And yet David Ross, who's never managed a day in his life prior to 2020, he went, he's the guy who could win you another championship and the guy who can rebuild your team. This makes absolutely no sense to me. Joe Madden never finished second on the Dancing with the Stars. Well, that's the thing. I mean, no. no it is never. funny, too, to, um, you know, they get the constant criticism of Joe. You know, he walked the guy with the bases loaded in the fourth inning. Yeah. Does this makes this crazy moves make that crazy move? Right. Uh, he's really holding the Angels back this year. Uh, <laughs> yeah. In first place with I believe the uh, best record six. in this, the second best record in the American League. Only the uh, six only games the over. Yankees. Yeah. Seven. They're seventeen and ten. They are <laughs> yeah, in first okay. place. Right. Uh, it's pretty good. It kind of blows that whole. And then you know the oh he's what an idiot. He's got to prove how smart he is. He walked out with the base loaded. They won that game. They won the game. They won it handily, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> and they've pretty much gone on winning since then. So, yeah. I, I don't know. Yeah. But, hey, you got to hand it to David Ross. It's hard to lose your DH, but he managed to do it in the second game of the White Sox series because he had to have, um, <sighs> had to have Jan Gomes pinch hit for Alfonso Rivas. <laughs> It drives me insane. Why not? If why not let Rivas take that at bat, you idiot? Yes. I know he's a lefty, but who cares? Oh, but Gomes—he had a line shot. Oh. I heard some Brett Taylor going on about how it's like I saw it, and Tim Anderson had to move like one step to his left, and still had to wait for the ball to get to him. I don't know yeah. that it was a line shot. Yeah, I don't think that was 125 <laughs> miles per hour off exit velocity. There it wasn't that much of a shot. It's just dumb. It's That's just okay. dumb. Uh, we just wait until the waves of talent arrive from the minors. It's gonna be it's gonna be amazing. Well, look, here's the thing. I they have I do think they have a lot of talent on the minors, but the point is good. That it's not supposed to be you either have a good major yep. league team or talent on the minors. No, you're supposed to have both. Yep. And, and they the, could and, have done they could have done exactly what they did yep. and had the exact guys in the minor leagues they have now, and they could have spent money and had an actual competitive team in the in the majors right now. Exactly right. But and they decided to just do one of the two, not both, because it's a lot cheaper to do it this way. That's right. Because if you hire the, the major league to like, why isn't Carlos Rodon on this team, for example? Mm-hmm. That only costs you money, no draft picks, nothing. You could have stacked the roster with guys like that. And, hey, if you catch lightning in a bottle and you're competitive, great. If you don't, then you trade them. You trade them, and you get more prospects, which is what some Cubs, Cubs blockers, that's all they want anyway. So, so say why they didn't not do, spend the money? Say they did exactly what they did, but they had two Carloses. Carlos yeah. Rodon and Carlos Correa. Okay. And then this is like, oh, shit, this team still isn't any good. At the trade right. deadline, you trade Carlos Rodon and you trade Carlos Correa, and now you, you get have more prospects. You get a haul. And, and I don't mean a Nick Madrigal haul. I mean an actual haul of players. <laughs> How about yeah. Nick Madrigal? Was it last night? Um, finally gets a hit. It wasn't a hit, though. Right. <laughs> it turns out that Luis Robert caught it. 
Uh, but just kept running like a little year. Like he forgot that you're supposed to stop at first base. He's out by 40 feet running the season. Easily. Base. Yeah. Yeah. It's terrific. And now there's the talk. Well, but if nothing else, the what the Cubs have found is that Nico Horner is their shortstop of the future. <laughs> it's like, I don't, I haven't seen that. No. He's, he's, he's handled well. himself better at shortstop defensively than I thought he would. He's still yes. not really hitting. Um, yeah. I mean, he's, thankfully, he's at, more, he's at two home runs. That's what you, I didn't think I'd ever yeah. see him hit two home runs. <clears throat> he's what he is. Is he's your, he should be your second baseman. We like we love Nico as a second baseman. Yes. He'd be a great second. And baseman. I have a feeling that's where he's going to end up. Because I have a feeling uh, they're gonna, at some point they're going to look at Madrigal and go, "All right, this the playing the dwarf at second. Yeah, yeah. It's not here's the thing. That White Sox team is not very good. No, at all. I mean, they're. And, I think they're a slightly above average team when healthy, and they are certainly not healthy. So they're bad right, right now, and the Cubs right. couldn't take advantage of that. Right, and I like the narrative is always like, "Oh, wait till wait till we get our guys healthy." Okay, first of all, Lance Lynn is like eighty-seven years old. Is he going to be any good? And even if as if guys get healthy, that doesn't get, mean your other guys aren't going to get injured. Right, they'll, the get, they'll get Eloy back for a week, and then he'll yeah. hurt himself again. I thought Robert like separated his shoulder and he crashed into the wall. <laughs> he laid, fell down and laid on the warning track. I mean, yeah. What? Yeah. Um, it's 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 just it's disheartening to watch this, this Cubs team. I just don't get it. Yeah. But hey, um, they got it easy this weekend. They're only playing the Dodgers, so that'll yeah, be that'll be a blast. And they're on the, they're on Sunday Night Baseball, Ugh. and you're getting boog because. Uh, Carl Ravage's hairpiece has the COVID. Oh, I didn't know. So Boog's doing the TV. Boog will do the TV. Oh my! So how exciting! Get a full weekend of Boog, not just yeah, not just two days. Yes, Boog blocked me on Twitter. I still have no idea why. That is that's funny because uh, <laughs> he because uh, I'm Mister Positive about the Cubs. He I has know. not blocked me. He enjoys uh, enjoys reading enjoys, my stuff. He enjoys getting getting smacked around by you apparently because I'm. I don't really pick on Boog very much, but I uh, neither do I. Certainly, uh, do not say nice things about his employer. Right, right. So there's that. So, there we go. Well, speaking of TV, yes. How about that for a segue? Good segue. I like it. Um. So I prepped for uh the the, the final season. Although it's uh this is just the we're only getting the first half of the final season. Then we got to wait a few months, and then you get the second half of the final right. season of Better Call Saul by reading Bob Odenkirk's book. Comedy, 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 drama. Yes, which I enjoyed yeah. very much. Yeah. Um, he writes exactly like he talks. Yeah. Like exactly. Like you can just hear, the whole time you hear Bob. Even you don't need the audio book, you can hear Bob talking to you. Right. Um, but he's got a lot of good stories. But one of the things that he, <laughs> one of the things that he talked about a lot was his, his kind of process for getting into character as Jimmy Saul. Mm-hmm. Right. And he said the, the trick to it is there's like a pattern that Saul, the way, the way Saul is written and the way he acts it, there's a pattern. And mm-hmm. he said that he, the easiest way he found to get into it and stay into it was to listen to the audiobook, The Kid Stays in the Picture by Robert Evans. Ha! Nice. Love and it. So I have seen the documentary, The Kid Stays in the Picture with Robert Evans, mm-hmm. which is all, it's all Robert. He basically narrates it. It's yeah. amazing. It's just great. It's, it's it's Robert Evans. For those of us who don't know, the uh, the Godfather. Yes, the he, was brood, the uh, he was a he was an actor 
um, who was in some pretty big movies, but mm-hmm. all was just as you know, I mean, he was never the never a main actor or anything. And uh, he wanted to be a producer, and he ended up getting hired as the head of production at Paramount before he'd ever Incredible. produced a movie. He was the head Incredible. of production for a movie studio. Incredible. Um, the if you have never seen the documentary, you should watch it. If you've never, it's worth it. To the audiobook is, it's he reads his own book. Yeah. So you get the full Robert Evans. Thing. It's a great book, by the way. It's a great book. Yeah. And it's just it's just amazing. He'll tell a story about an actress. You know, oh, Ava Gardner. You know, she never. Uh, she had just broken up with Sinatra. She was depressed. She didn't like me. Blah 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 blah. Did we have a torrid affair? Of course we did. He just throws in all the women he had sex with. He just, he just all, and he just, it's very subtle how he does it. There's a, there's a scene in, uh, well, see, I don't know how to, well, well, I don't keep all these together. So better call Saul. Right. But Odenkirk is listening to Robert on Paramount plus. There's a series right now called the offer, which is about the making of the Godfather. Yes. And the actor Matthew Good plays Robert Evans, and he is perfect. He has the voice. It's exact. I didn't realize how exact until I literally watched one of the episodes. I hopped in, the, hopped in my car, and I had the audiobook in it, and I was like, holy shit, it's the same guy. Couldn't tell the difference. It's amazing. Yeah. There's a scene in it where Robert Evans is married to Ellie McGraw, and they're sitting by the pool. And he's just sitting there, and he's like, he looks over, he goes, Ellie, have you ever had sex in a pool? And she looks at him, and she just jumps in the pool. <laughs> it's in the book. He tells the same story in his own book. That's why they put it in the movie. <laughs> right. So the, um, the, the Robert Evans book, it's a little problematic listening mm-hmm. to it. There are yeah. two guys in it that he is super, like, uh, he can't say enough nice things about two guys. Okay. <laughs> Roman Polanski. <laughs> okay. And, and Henry Kissinger. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> he loves them. Roman right. Polanski, he's not only the most talented director he's ever seen, probably the most talented actor ever. If you ever saw Roman... a movie that Roman Polanski was in, he was an amazing actor. Like, nobody has ever seen a movie that Roman Polanski was in. <laughs> no. Right, nobody. right, right. Okay. And he claims he saved Kissinger's job. Um, that, how did he, how did you do that? Okay, so they somehow became like acquaintances, and um, Nixon was going to fire Kissinger, right? And Kissinger calls Robert Evans and says, "I need you to come out to the some golf course in in L.A. We need to talk." He gets out there and it's Secret Service, and then just him and Henry. And they take a walk on the golf course because Henry needs to, you know, he's worried that people might be listening. Tells him Nixon's going to fire him. And he's like, I got to come up with, uh, I got to come up with some kind of strategy so I don't get fired. And Evans is like, what are you asking me for? And he's like, because you think different. (laughs) Okay. So Evans says for the next like three hours, he throws out idea after idea after idea. And Kissinger's like, no, 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 you're throwing out, you're you're, you're saying stuff that politicians would think of. We got to come up with other stuff. So when Evans has a friend at Time Magazine. Tell okay. you what, I'm going to get a spread on you in Time Magazine. The whole angle is going to be the greatest decision Richard Nixon ever made was hiring you 
to be Secretary of State. Okay. All right. All right. Once that's in there, how is Nixon possibly going to fire you? Can't. Couple week later, big spread in Time Magazine, also in Life Magazine, because they're owned by the same company, which was big back then. Yes. Henry calls him and says, "He says, Robert, you can <laughs> you can continue to call me at this number." Evan's like, I got it. <laughs> it's like, what the fuck? <laughs> um, he does tell great stories about, um, about he produced Love Story, which he put his wife in, Ellen McGraw. Ellen, Mc- was, Ellen McGraw, right. And, Ellen McGraw. And they, he said they tried to cast every leading actor in Hollywood, including Walter Matthau. Would you have loved to have seen Love Story oh. with Walter Matthau <laughs> and Ellie McGraw? <laughs> Everybody said no. Right. And they ended up hiring a guy from a soap opera from Peyton Place. It was Ryan O'Neill. And right. of course, the movie goes on. It's, it's this huge, sappy hit. People can't yeah. get enough of it. And they're at the, uh, oh, they're getting ready to go to the premiere. Mm-hmm. And Allie's seven months pregnant. And her doctor tells her, says, I really think we should probably put her on bed rest for the next two months. Um, just to make, just to make sure. And mm-hmm. Evans is like, that's nonsense. People have been having people. People used to have babies out in fields while they were working, and they would people scoop are, the baby up, and they'd keep picking the okra. People have been she's, having babies for years in this town, kid. <laughs> she's coming to the premiere, so they go to the premiere. Uh, everybody loves the movie. They go to the after party. Ryan O'Neill comes up to him and says, "I owe you. I owe my entire career to you. I would do anything for you. Mm-hmm. This is." <clears throat> And they look over, and Allie is bleeding. They have mm. to rush her to the hospital. No, no. My goodness. Because they're worried she had a miscarriage. Well, it turns out she didn't have a miscarriage, but obviously something was wrong, so they've got her in the hospital. Um, while he's in the hospital, Evans claims he gets a call from somebody who works for him at Paramount. Says um, they, the next, the day after the premiere, Allie and Ryan O'Neill were supposed to go do some press. Mm-hmm. They're saying Ryan wants to know if Allie's going to come do the press, and he's like, "Well, no. He just he was there when she hemorrhaged. I mean, she's in the hospital." So Ryan says he won't do it unless Allie does it. And Evans <laughs> is like, "Tell him he's doing it," and he hangs up. And they call back, and they said Ryan says he won't do it unless Allie does it. And he's like, "That that's what you need to know. That's that's how much Ryan O'Neill was really indebted to me. I gave him his whole contract, and a day later, he wouldn't cover for my bleeding wife at a press event." <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, so there's that. And then um, <laughs> there's this whole thing, which I'm sure we'll get covered in the offer. Yeah. Because uh, I've seen the first three episodes. I say that like I got everyone. If you every anyone can see the first three episodes. Right. Uh, Wait, are, those three, are the first three are free on Paramount Plus? Is that the deal? Or those are the only three that have been released? So only three that have been released. Okay, yes. yeah. I, I Yes. I'm boy- boycotting it because I... As you know, I was right. you were up, up for a major role in that. I don't want to say the, what it was. I, I don't want to say what it was. You were up for the Ellie McGraw spot. <laughs> you didn't want <laughs> to jump up, in the pool to tell. I was up, I was up for Ellie McGraw. I was, I was afraid of water, and I couldn't do it. Uh, but yes, I, I'll watch it eventually. But yes, so go on. Um, the guy who plays Al Pacino, was that what the role you wrote for? Was Al Pacino? Yeah, it was not, it was not the Al. The guy who plays so Al Pacino, if you close your eyes, it's Al Pacino. I, I have seen. The I have, voice yeah, is he, incredible. He's, he's good. Uh, here's the thing about the offer. The offer is not good. That's what I've read. But it is immensely entertaining. Like, I am enjoying it 
Yeah. I've, 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 I plowed through the first three. I was, was only going to watch the first episode. I ended up watching all three of them. Spent three hours instead of an hour. Right. And I'm sitting there going, this is objectively not high quality. But you're, I, you're having a good time. I'm eating it all up. I'm going to watch all yeah. ten. There's ten episodes. I know. How about one movie? I mean, it was a long movie. But still, ten yeah. episodes is an awful lot. Yeah. Well, it's um, a limited series. Yeah. Evans tells a story about Cass Pacino. He did not want Pacino. And in the, the, the third episode ends with a hilarious scene with Matthew Good as uh, Bob Evans chewing out um, Hal Roddy, which is uh, Miles Teller, mm-hmm. about trying to, um, about A, how long the script is, <laughs> and B, <laughs> the trying to trying to uh, cast Al Pacino. Right. Uh, they had, I don't remember the guy. They had originally, they'd already cast Sonny. They don't get into this yet in the offer, but in the book he talks about it. Mm-hmm. And the guy who was going to play Sonny was six foot five. <laughs> and he's like, he's telling him, it's like one of the reasons we can't cast Pacino is it's going to be Mutt and Jeff. You're, You're going right. to have a six foot five guy and a five foot five guy, and nobody's going to believe that they that that they're brothers, right? And so uh, they finally wear him down. And he had made this huge deal about how the reason the gangster movies had always failed in the past was because Hollywood would always cast Jewish actors as Italians, and they were <laughs> going to use real Italians. Which was the then I got very very amused by what he did to to finally agree to cast Pacino. I said, "Fine, you can have Al Pacino as long as we fire the guy who's going to play Sonny and we cast James Con." <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm like, wait, all right, what what are we? So there's a great scene in the, in the Sopranos when Sill and and Tony are talking about something, and it's something that like everybody knows this one thing, and the analogy they use. Yeah, it's like no, it's like not knowing that James Conn is an Italian. <laughs> and, and Sonny and, and Sil and Tony just look at each other like, mm-hmm. yeah. wait, he's not Italian? I thought he was Italian this whole time. So they're Hal Roddy's girlfriend in the in the show is um the woman who owned the Chateau Marmont at the time. Oh yes, the great Chateau Marmont. Yes historic place and the actress who plays her is unbelievably beautiful just and i i believe she's czechoslovakian so the the lady who owned the chateau marmont um francois i believe is her first name okay uh is supposed to be for paris in fact she tells a lot of threatening stories about how she she gets threatened by first by meyer lansky and by other people because the italians really don't want um Italians don't want the movie being made. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And she tells a story about how she'd already had a run. He, Meyer Lansky's going to have a run-in with her boyfriend about this. She tells a story about how Meyer went into the chateau and basically told her that he was going to, um, he was taking over all of the, the food and beverage um, delivery business for the chateau. And she said, I, I faced down, I stared down the Nazis. I'm not giving in to you. Right. The, the accent that this actress has is completely indecipherable. <laughs> it's just you listen to it like, I what? I don't I don't. But she's she's great to look at. Now, should we talk the the people know who died at the Chateau Marmont, or should, you are aware of this? I assume. Uh, Jim Belushi's you, brother. Uh, <laughs> that's right, yes. John Belushi. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, Chateau Marmont, uh, known as the Castle on Sunset here in Hollywood. Very famous historic place. Um, 
yeah. So anyway, so the the offer it's on Paramount Plus. If the only people who get Paramount Plus are people who either um, want to watch Champions League soccer, well, or if you want to watch eighteen eighty three, which is excellent. Oh, that's true, and that is what comes every time. Every time an episode of uh, the offer ends, they immediately they, recommend eighteen eighty three. Yeah, they should. Clearly, they're you know they're they're so close. It's good. Have you seen it? No. It's really good. I also haven't seen. Yeah. Uh, I haven't. I haven't even seen Yellowstone. Yeah, well, I haven't seen Yellowstone either. But I've seen eighteen eighty three. It's the That's Tim true. McGraw Faith Hill uh, prequel. It's great. It's great. Um. Okay. Anyway, so back to Better Call Saul. Okay. Yes. Um. The reason I want to bring up Better Call Saul because by now, if you haven't watched it, I don't know what the hell you're waiting for. It might be the best show on TV. It's it, right up there. The ridic- it's, it's ridiculous. Um, uh, Odenkirk tells a story about how when um, Vince Gilligan, who everyone says is the nicest man in Hollywood, mm-hmm. comes to him with the idea. Actually, they, so there was a stagehand who, during uh, while they were filming um, Breaking Bad, basically said, hey, when, you do the, when we do the Saul Goodman spinoff, I want to work on it. And Gilligan claims that actually kind of gave him like plant that like planted the seed, really in his mind. Like you know maybe we could do something with this character. And they were originally going to do a sitcom, Ugh. and then they they realized right away that seems stupid, right? Um, so I forget what other story I was going to tell. Anyway, so um, <laughs> yeah, Better Call Saul. There is a podcast called. Um, what is it called? Oh, Better Call Saul Insider. And it's a podcast that is done by the people who make Better Call Saul. Mm-hmm. And so every week, like l- this last week, the episode was directed by Ray Seahorn. So she's on it with Vince Gilligan and with a couple of the producers and with, um, they try to pick somebody like if there's a really cool, like, like in the, um, in the, I don't want to do any spoilers, but in the third episode, right. Right. There was a very intricate stunt. So when they had they had the main actor from that episode was also on, but then so was someone who could talk about how they figured out how to have him jump out of the um out of a air conditioning hole in his hotel room. Right. Right, right, right. So <laughs> and, Ma- Michael and, Man- and there was a, there was a Michael weird... Mandau was was on the was on the pod. Yes. And there okay. was also a weird thing where he had to there was something he had to hide in. And they, yes, they, they go into great detail that. about how much of that was practical, how much of it was, it's, well, it's not going to spoil anything. There's an oil tanker. No, it's not spoil. Yeah, it's an oil tank. Yeah. And, and what scenes they could actually shoot in with the oil tanker and that they had to actually build, um, they had to build a set. Yeah. So that something that happens in the oil tanker could happen in a more controlled uh, environment. But he had to, he, he said he had to hold his breath for a minute. Mm-hmm. So, uh, anyway, it's, it's yeah. a great podcast because of that. I, somebody actually, in one of the reviews, they complained they don't talk about the plot enough. And it's like, really, you need another explainer. <laughs> and they do talk about the plot. They'll bring the right. Usually, the person who wrote the episode is on, mm-hmm. but they talk about all the interesting shit that you wouldn't think of. Like in this last episode, they talk about. Um, this also won't be a spoiler. At the beginning of the episode, the two people look up, and there's a house being painted a a garish color. 
Right, a tomato so one of, red. One of the former producers who comes in all the time, and she's she asks the best questions. She's not working on the show anymore, so she has an outsider. Although she's seen all the, the you know, they fill and they recorded these months ago, so sure it drops at at noon the next day because they're ready. They don't have to wait for them to sit down and do it. And she's like, "Did you guys really paint that house that color, or is that?" Was that visual effects? Like, no, that was visual effects. We wouldn't do that to a real house. <laughs> <laughs> the, the other thing that they said was a visual effects shot, which blew my mind, was um, I think it was the second episode. There's a long, you know, they uh, Breaking Bad and now Better Call Saul are famous for these. Like, they call them the teasers at you know the thing at the beginning, and it's usually some kind of artsy fartsy, you know, shot. Or even better, they do these like long, like dialogueless scenes of somebody just doing something right. and it ends up becoming fascinating. And you know, we watch the whole thing. Well, there's one it's usually, where... it's usually something very mundane too. That ends up being yeah. incredibly compelling. Yeah. So the, I think the second episode, maybe it's the third, yeah, the second episode starts with this long one where they're emptying out a house. Right. One of the, right. Prim- yes, one, yes. One of the primary characters, you see them, the cops the are, first, I, I feel like this is, isn't that the first episode of the season? I feel like it is. I, th- I thought it was the thing for the second, but they were they both okay. came out. The f- you, we saw them both the first right, night. Right, the same, same night. I, I think it was episode yeah, okay. two. It doesn't really matter. Okay, doesn't matter. But there's this long thing about they're taking all the stuff out of this character's uh, house. And at the oh. very end of it, as the moving truck pulls away, a a seemingly insignificant, but significant, if you've been following along with the show, a, one little thing falls off the truck and rolls down the gutter. And then they do a close-up. And she asks Vince, she's like, was that special effects? Was that VFX? Mm-hmm. And I'm sitting there in the car thinking, oh, that's ridiculous. They couldn't just do that. He's like, yep. He's like, hmm. we didn't even attempt. He's like, we knew how many ways that thing could bounce. And we just mm-hmm. needed to go there. It's like, you know, it'll save us a hell of a lot more time. <laughs> and believe me, it'll be easier for somebody to do that than it will be to sit there and try to knock it off the top of the thing over and over again. We're going to break a bunch of them. And right. even then when it ends up in the right spot, it's not going to be facing in the right direction. He's like, we didn't even yeah. try it. And I was exactly. like, holy crap. Yeah. Um, and they talk about all kinds of stuff. Even in scenes that you don't expect will have, like there's a rainstorm in one of them. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh, yeah, the whole the whole storm is fake. But they said it's <laughs> ironic because the day before we were filming a scene and we had to scrap it because it rained. <laughs> it rained, yeah. <laughs> it's like, right, right, right. we're not shooting tomorrow's scene today. And we'd have, we wouldn't have to do that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but it's great. Um, and Vince is funny. He, he asks a lot of... Um, he acts well. He he acts like he doesn't know the answer to these questions. He'll ask. He clearly already knows what they're going to say. He just does it to get them sure. to tell a story. But then his reactions are always. He just seems like the most excited guy when yeah. they tell when they tell him why they. Oh, that's a great idea. Like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> um, in the in the most recent episode, they talked about there's a scene where two characters that had never been their main characters, but they had never been in a scene together, mm-hmm. have one. And Ray had to talk. She's one of them. And she had to talk about how um, that scene wasn't supposed to take place where it did. And um, they just they moved it around a million times. And then how they made the decision right away that you would hear the other person before you ever saw them. Mm-hmm. 
But then she said, well, that's not true. Because if you go back and rewatch it, you do see him in the background. You're just not looking for him, so you will not see him. So right. i got to go back and watch to see if... Because I was as surprised as everybody. You hear the voice, and you know who it is. And he's been sitting there the whole time. And apparently, you you do see the back of him at one point. But because they're, you're busy actually watching what's really going on in the scene, you don't notice that there's this guy sitting there. Yeah. Um, all right, that's enough talking vague about specifics. I just don't want to spoil it. For people who... I know people watch this shit on their own time. I don't want to... Um, so speaking right. of that, a show that you should be watching that I, uh, Jerry West and I watch it together every week. <laughs> the great HBO show, Winning Time. Winning Time. About the 1979-1980 Los Angeles Lakers. Mm-hmm. Um, a show that there are a lot of people who don't, either think it's over, it's a lot of complaints that it's overly stylized. Well, yeah, there's that, and plus it's it's kind of, it's a show that's sort of credited with breaking up Will Ferrell and Adam McKay. There's been there's been lawsuits. I mean, there's been copyright infringement. There's been all kinds of drama outside of the show, as well as plenty of drama within the show. Um. So yeah, for people who don't know, um, you know, Will and uh, Adam McKay, longtime uh, production partners. Go back. They they but going back to their days at SNL. Yeah. Yes. Um, and the big argument came. Will wanted to be Jerry Buss. Right. And Adam's like, no, you're going to be, you'll be Will Ferrell. You won't be Jerry Buss. Mm-hmm. And then they end up casting John C. Riley. We think well, he's going to be John C. Riley, but he's not. He's Jerry Buss. He's great. He's amazing. Yeah, yeah. He he's so yeah. much. I mean, he's a great actor, and I love John he's C. Riley. He's a phenomenal he's, actor. I, I, as soon as I heard that's who it was, I thought, oh, he'll be really good. He's better than I thought he was mm-hmm. going to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's great. Because yeah. he could easily, I mean, the, they make him, it, if you think about the the things they make Jerry do, like he's the comic relief a lot of time, or he's sometimes he's the only sensible person in the scene. Sometimes he's like the guy you're really supposed to like, and then sometimes he's doing something horrible. Right. And you like him the whole time. He's so likable. Just and, and, credit to how good John C. Riley is that that he can do all the things they need Jerry to do to move the plot along, and you don't either, and you just buy it a hundred percent everything everything that he does. There was also a tremendous callback. I think it was two episodes ago to Boogie Nights. <laughs> do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. When when uh, when John C. Riley jumps in the pool as Jerry West. Right, that's exa- that's yeah. essentially that exact same scene exists <laughs> in Boogie Nights when John C. Riley jumps in the pool. So, you know, I don't know how many people picked up on that. There was I a didn't. tremendous, tremendous callback from uh, John C. Riley. And by the way, uh, do you know who? There's a Chicago connection here. Do you know who Adam McKay's brother-in-law is? Mm. No, Jeremy Pippen. Oh, well, there you go. Adam is married to uh, Jeremy's sister, Shira Pippen. There you go. Yeah. Um, yeah, the casting. I know it's a, a source spot with you. Another source spot with me. <laughs> <laughs> Another show I was up for and didn't get. <laughs> Thank I mean, you uh, other than Thank the role they didn't cast you in. I think they've done a very good job with the casting. Right, um, right, right. Well, though, to be fair, there were several roles on that show they didn't cast me in. So. Okay. Because so. <laughs> I, I thought you would have made a great Kareem. Uh, yeah, I don't know why they didn't go with it. I've seen this guy hook. It's not bad. 
No. You know, look, I can make it when I have to. That to me was the. I just thought, well, the basketball. They're not going to be able to have very much basketball in this because, I mean, what's it going to look like? But they and do, and it's and it's really it's, it's really, really good. good. It's really well done. It's now you know show. who Norm Nixon he was playing Norm Nixon. Yeah, Norm Nixon's son. So that helps a little bit. That helps a little bit, yeah. Uh, but the guy who plays Kareem is not <laughs> just you know tall and whatever. He's he's really good. Like he's, he's really far good. more likable than real Kareem. <laughs> he still have him do. They still have him be a dick, but he's more likable than you would expect. See, I like I like real Kareem. I know Kareem, real Kareem, and not a fan of the show. I read, I read his blog yeah. on that. Yeah. And look, I respect whatever Kareem says. I totally respect his opinion on that. But I, but I do, enjoy, I think the show is great. Um, the guy who plays Magic, he had to get that right. Fantastic, and it was great. Yeah, Larry Bird. Yep. Fantastic. Yep. Yeah, and, but that's where I think. So, so some of the criticism of the show. Is that a lot of the things supposed in the show that are depicted are not accurate to real life? Jerry West, of course, has been talked about a lot about how he's sort of depicted in the show as just being this basically dick. Um, and when he was struggling with depression and all that, and 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 thus far we have Magic and uh, Larry just hating each other. And but that's kind of that's famous that they did yeah. until supposedly. They went to French Lick to shoot a Converse commercial. That one where right. both on, and they had to actually spend time with each other, and they realized they kind of liked each other. And ever since then, they've. Um, although there's always magic, I think magic is right. Magic has always felt like Larry is able to. They don't have to do it anymore, but Larry was always able to turn off his affection for magic when he needed to. Like mm-hmm. magic is just. Um, so. Terry Boris, who's, you know, a famous misanthrope. Mm-hmm. <laughs> One of the things he said was, he said, um, you know, you meet a lot of athletes, and most of them are either nothing like what you expect, or they really disappoint you. He mm-hmm. said, Magic Johnson is Magic Johnson. Yeah. He seems like the nicest guy in the world, and he is. And that's really what the actor who plays Magic brings to that role. Because yeah. he just seems like such an authentically likable dude. You want to root for him, you know. You love magic in the show. Um, so for people who might not um, know, uh, the guy who plays Spencer Haywood is Wood Harris, who was Avon Barksdale on The Wire mm-hmm. and is a graduate of the finest university in the Midwest, Northern Illinois, well, uh, Northern uh, Illinois uh, University. Perhaps the country. I wouldn't limit it to yeah, that. And his brother, yeah. Steve Harris, is also in it. He uh, plays... Um, a guy who basically was fine with Magic uh, having sex with his daughter as long as they could get him close enough to Magic where he could become Magic's agent. <laughs> uh. Oh, I think another underrated uh, pair are Magic's parents. Yes, they're excellent. Bo- they're both really good. Wonderful. Cookie, excellent, by Cookie, the way. Yeah, Cookie is very good. Cookie's great, yeah. Um, Adrian Brody as Pat Riley. Oh, Which should not work, but it completely it does. Should not work, but good. he's so damn good, yep. and it's fantastic. Yes, of course, the great Tracy Letts. Yes. Oh yeah. I, I didn't realize. I mean, I I I remembered that Paul Westhead was the coach when they won the championship. Mm-hmm. So when Tracy got cast as um, as Bill McKinney, I remember originally thinking, 
he, maybe does he even get the job? How that? Why did Tracy Letts take this job? And then Julianne Nicholson playing the wife. It's like, how do you get two of the best actors in Hollywood for these little roles? Well, it turns out Tracy Letts is not a little role. It's no. it's pretty big. Um, and he's great. Yeah. Um. But I really love I love Jerry West. Uh, it's Jason Clark. Jason Clark, yeah. And Jerry's famously, um, a, has always been famously self-loathing, and so having him be mad all the time, and then and he did he quit right before the season. He'd been the head mm-hmm. coach and he quit. And to me, that none of that seemed that out. I mean, I it was I knew it was exaggerated for effect for comedic it's definitely effect, exaggerated, right. and I yes. loved it. Yeah, it didn't make me think less of Jerry West. Actually, Jerry and West that's funny. Did not like it. It's yeah. funny. So Jerry West throwing a fit and 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 attempting to sue is exactly the kind of shit that Jerry West on Winning Time would do. That is, yeah. It's like you're not really disproving it now, Jerry. Right. Um. Yeah, I should. I'll try to find it and I can put it with the post. Um, there is a so um, Wood Harris is not. Uh, Spencer Haywood's six eight. Wood Harris is not. And there's right. a photo from the shoot where you could see Wood in the background, and he's wearing Converse that are a good they they're platform Converse that are adding a good eight <laughs> inches to him. <laughs> I don't know how you can walk in those things. <laughs> you know who I, I also think is great, underrated, a smaller part relatively, Michael Cooper. Yes. He was good. I, I also, love the guy who plays Michael I Cooper. love what a dick they make Chick Hearn out to be, too. Oh, it's fa- fantastic. I love, yeah, he's wonderful. <laughs> and then the whole, the recurring the joke, too, about, so, yeah, Chick would hold up his, hold up his hand as a fist to tell Pat when Pat Riley was his, he didn't want a color analyst, but Pat talked his way into the right. job. And then they, they will occasionally do the whole, uh, or you could go back and uh, let Chick give you the, let Chick fist you. They they make that joke, <laughs> but yeah, right. just the fact that Chick is so uh, is such an asshole is great. Yes, he's great. I mean, I loved him in Fletch, but I always th- <laughs> I always thought he was yes. uh, that he was that way. Yeah. So um, so I read the I read the book by uh, Bob Odenkirk. And now I'm reading Brian Cox's book, mm. Putting the Rabbit in the Hat. Okay. It's not Brian Cox, who used to play for the Bears. Different Brian Cox? It's Brian Cox, from uh, <clears throat> who played the original Hannibal Lecter. Which he, yes. he insists on spelling it L-E-K-T-O-R in the book, because that's how it was in the script. So Hey, you so. know what? Brian Cox, can, he can spell it however he wants to spell it. You know what I mean? He's Brian Cox. Yes. And now he's Logan Roy. And That's I was looking for it, yes. Um, it's another book where I probably should get the I probably should get the audio book because I would like to hear him read his own. Oh book. yeah, but I, get, I in my mind as I read it, he's doing the from his McDonald's. Yeah, the McDonald's. Like he's mumbling. Yeah, right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. He has some great uh, stories in there. One that's famous is the um, he talks about. Uh, Jeremy Strong on Succession being a complete method actor, and, he, and the great lengths that yes. Jeremy goes to to get ready for a scene, and how Brian just kind of rolls his eyes. But he uses it as an excuse to tell the famous 
um, Lawrence Olivier, Dustin Hoffman story from Marathon Man, where Dustin Hoffman insisted on being a character the whole time. And at one point, Larry, as Brian calls him, went, looked at him and said, why don't you try acting once in a while? <laughs> yes. I think, I think it was my dear boy. Yeah, my why don't you try acting? Why don't you try acting? Yes. Uh, speaking of Adrian Brody, also a phenomenal role in Succession. Yes, that's right. We almost killed poor Logan. Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah, but it's great. And I, I've been a Brian Cox fan for a long time because he plays Hannibal Lecter in Manhunter. And yeah, I've always preferred that version to the Anthony Hopkins one. And to me, that was all. I saw Manhunter first, mm-hmm. and I, that's always been Hannibal to me. Uh, he's a great actor. And he tells really good stories. And he he can be, he will, and just in passing, he will just, he will tell a horribly embarrassing story about someone. And then inevitably be like, oh, they passed about three years ago. <laughs> in other words, I don't have to apologize. <laughs> They're dead. Yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> nice. Yeah. So that's a good one. Um So have you seen, did you watch Severance? Do you get Apple TV Plus? I do get Apple TV Plus. I have not watched Severance, though. So Severance is great. It's not good. It's great. It's great. Okay. Um, I've even heard, like, Jimmy Traina was talking about it on his, his SI Media podcast. Like, I don't like science fiction, so I'm not going to watch it. It's, like it's, it's only science fiction in the basic idea behind it, which is, um, there is a company that uh, <laughs> embeds a chip in your head so that y- when you're at work, you can't remember if that's the severed part. You're being severed from your, you, when you're at work, you can't remember your life outside of work. And when you're outside of work, you don't remember anything that happened at work. Okay. And how this is supposed to be such a great, you know, thing you can, you know, if, Hell of when you're when you're at work you're not you don't even remember it. You drive in, you go to work, you next thing you know, you're back in your car, you go home. Right. Uh one of the things they immediately from the standpoint of the workers is they're only ever at work. Like always. Because they only exist mm-hmm. at work. Well it turns out there's some nefarious stuff going on and um but it has um uh Adam Scott is in it. He's really good. Yeah, and uh, John Turturro is in the it. great John Turturro. Okay, well now I have to watch it. Christopher Walken. Is oh in my it. lord! Yes. Wow. Okay. Uh, it's uh, the I think the Ben Stiller doesn't direct them all, but he directs a lot of them. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's really good. So if you haven't seen Severance, you should watch Severance. The other show is I like on Apple TV uh, Plus. Uh, have you ever seen the show Central Park? No. It's a cartoon. Okay. Um, it's a musical cartoon. Which doesn't <laughs> seem like it should be right up my alley. I was going to say, right, yeah. But okay. it's really funny. Um, so Catherine Hahn is in it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, Leslie Odom from Hamilton is in sure. it. So is, um, oh, crap. I can't think of his name. The guy from Hamilton who played Thomas Jefferson. Stanley Tucci plays an old woman, Betsy Brandingham, and he is absolutely hysterical. 
The wow. first season, okay. Kristen Bell played the daughter. Um, Leslie Odom and Catherine Hahn are married. Okay. In the show, and so the kids are Titus Burgess, and um, and and were uh, Kristen Bell. Okay. And Kristen said after the first season, you really should have an actress of color voice uh, the daughter. So they switched, and you forget that within. 30 seconds of the first of the first episode of the second season. The person they get is great. Okay. Josh Gad plays like the narrator. He's it actually basically the whole concept of the show is that um Leslie Odom's character is the caretaker of Central Park and they lives him and his family live in the castle uh at Central Park. Okay. And Stanley Tucci's character, Betsy Branningham, is this uh multi multi millionaire who owns a hotel who, who from her room she could see Central Park and decide she decides she's going to buy it. She's going to buy <laughs> Central Park and she's going to that's that crummy park. We're going to get rid of the crummy park and we're going to develop it. And nice. that's been the whole plot of the first two seasons is her inept attempts to buy the park. And it's a musical. And it's a musical. And they will break in a song and the songs <laughs> are always funny. Always. Okay. I don't know who writes these things, but it's. It's amazing. So it's a uh, little half hour episodes. They are a tremendous amount of fun. Um, so another thing I want to talk about was the we are being deluged right now with fictionalized versions of documentaries that we watched already. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I'm a sucker for them and I watch them all. So um, the um, I don't remember what the name of the I read the I read the book, Bad Blood, and then I watched the documentary on, you know, the Theranos thing. Mm-hmm. Um, what's her name? I can't even think of her name. Dropped out of Stanford. She's going to start this company. She wanted to be the she wanted to be the Steve Jobs of uh, medicine, basically. And her whole okay. idea was because when she was a kid, she hated getting blood drawn. Why can't they take just a little, like a thimble full of blood and run all the tests you need to run? And even better, why couldn't you put a device in your house and you could just do right. it yourself? And then the results would automatically just go uh, to to your doctor and everything would be great. And it ended up being a horrible scam. And she scammed people like George Schultz. How yes. Could you, how could you scam poor old George Schultz? George Schultz. Right, right, right. Is this Elizabeth Holmes? Yes, that Elizabeth Holmes. Okay. Elizabeth Holmes is a ridiculous character in real life she um at, at one point and it, the way they do it in the movie version is great the documentary which is also on hulu is uh really good mm-hmm. and you think why do we need eight episodes of this well it turned out i needed all i needed all eight episodes elizabeth right. holmes at one point just all of, all of a sudden started talking like this <laughs> and she just does and she does it all of a sudden in the show and everybody's just like why is she does she have a cold why is she? Right. Why is she she figured out that the people would take her more seriously. Then she started dressing in black turtlenecks because she thought she wanted to look more like Steve, Steve Jobs. Jobs. Okay. Um, so Amanda Seyfried plays her, and then she has this uh, her boyfriend Sonny Balwani, which is this guy who helped with the whole ruse. Um, was this guy who'd come over from India and had founded a company, which he reminds you a thousand times during the show that he sold for forty million dollars. Mm-hmm. And then he decided to take some classes, and he went to he took some classes at Stanford, and he went on a trip to China, and and she was on it with him. That's where they met. He's like twenty years older than her, 
and they mm-hmm. start dating. And for the whole first episode, I kept looking at like, who is the guy playing Sonny? I couldn't mm-hmm. place him. What's well, the? It's Naveen Andrews, the guy who played Saeed on Lost. He oh, plays okay. Sonny, and it's um, Sonny's fat. They don't even. They barely attempt. They like he's clearly wearing like a little belly under his shirt. Yeah. So they're like they're not gonna make Naveen gain weight, but he's right. this thing. Um. Yeah, but the whole thing, the whole thing blows up. Sam Waterston plays ah, George Schultz. Right. Okay. Um. Trying to think who else was in it that's uh, that's famous, but I did enjoy that. That one is called what was the name of that one? The Dropout. So I did enjoy that. Another one that I watched because same thing. I watched the documentary and I read the book Billion Dollar Loser. Um, about Adam Newman, the guy who created WeWork. Mm-hmm. And that's Jared Leto and Anne Hathaway. Um, his wife, Rebecca, is like the greatest character ever. She is <laughs> just awful. She is horrible. And I thought Anne managed to capture her awfulness uh, in a perfect way. But that was basically, that was, the, the ironic thing there is there's no scam there. Mm-hmm. Like, they, I mean, he didn't scam anybody out of money, other than right. the fact that, um, well, maybe he may have scammed banks out of money, but they gave it to him willingly. Um, he didn't misrepresent anything. He didn't do whatever, but he kept, he's a, he was a charming guy who had a good idea. The whole, you know, the whole co-work space. There mm-hmm. were a few companies that were doing it and WeWork made it cool. They bought these lofts and they renovated, they made it seem like a really cool place to go. <laughs> um, but they, he kept doubling down and doubling down to the point where they were so overextended that by the time they were going to make their big public offering, um, their people digging into the financials are like, they're never going to be able to turn a profit. Mm-hmm. So what the hell is this really worth? Right. Um, but they do get into some of the, just some of the ridiculous things that her whole thing, she was, she's Gwyneth Paltrow's cousin. Her real name is Rebecca Paltrow and then Rebecca Paltrow Newman. And she drops that all the time. The, the, the great scenes of people rolling their eyes in the background when she drops the Paltrow part is like, or <laughs> saying, well, you know, I was talking to Gwyneth and Gwyneth says yeah. whatever. Right. Um, there's a great scene and it's real because it's also in the documentary where he finally just tells her off. Like basically because she's talking about how this company that we founded and he's like, we didn't found anything. I founded this company. And right. He, you know, you tried. I I paid acting lessons for you. I bought you a theater, and you gave up on that. And uh, I made you the chief branding officer for of this company, and you've never been able to do that. And now I bought you a school. She starts the school in the thing, which is just the, this weird hippie bullshit, right? Um, and then she gets mad at him, and then she's mad at him for like an entire episode. <laughs> um, but they're still together. the The ironic thing is, um. Jared Leto is not as good looking as Adam Newman is in real life. Okay. And Anne Hathaway is a billion times more attractive than Rebecca. So I, I honestly can see Rebecca watching it and going, Oh, I look great. <laughs> right. You look great. That's Anne Hathaway. That's that's why I look that's why I look great, yeah. So there's that. I just watched the first couple of episodes of uh The Staircase on HBO. Okay. 
Okay, haven't seen that. So, have you ever seen the? Have you seen the documentary of the staircase? No. It's it's wild. So it's uh, about this. Uh, it's about this guy and his wife. They live in Durham, North Carolina, and he um, he calls the um, he calls nine one one in a panic. Okay. Because his wife has fallen down the stairs, and she's breathing, but you better get here quick. Right. And then he calls back five minutes later and says, she's not breathing anymore. you got to get here really quick. And <laughs> when they get there, there is blood, like, everywhere. It's okay. all over. And she has, like, seven dents in her head. Oof. Um, the ironic thing is, so the staircase, the documentary, it's on Netflix. Okay. And they're actually getting into this in the actual show. After he gets arrested for her murder. Mm-hmm. A documentary crew from France comes over and covers everything, and they got access to everything, which almost makes me wonder, why do we need the fictionalized version? We saw all this stuff. Right. Um, originally, Harrison Ford was going to play the, the guy. <laughs> and now it, it's... Um, he was too it's, busy flying. Yes. He was too yeah. busy crashing into golf courses. It's Colin Firth. Right. Okay. And Love the way Colin they Firth. have his hair, I'm never. I, I'm going to watch all these. He's Bill Self. <laughs> he looks exactly like Bill Self the whole time. Look, yeah, Bill Self killed his wife. Tony Collette right. plays the wife. Great. Um, Michael Stuhlbarge is the is the lawyer. The lawyer is super. The lawyer is basically the star of the documentary because he's the guy that you know he has to he has to explain everything to us, the documentary watchers. So Stuhl, it's a it's a great part for him. He gets to play that. Um, Parker Posey is playing like the. Ah. Like Love the, Parker Posey. The like the assistant DA. Um, who else is in it? I think those are most of the big ones. Um, but the cast is great. We'll see if the story is incredible. It takes twists that you do not expect. Just watch the documentary. It's like holy crap! How could that have been possibly true? So I know there will be people who will watch this and either not know that there's a documentary and be like, "Oh, this is all bullshit." No, kids. <laughs> no, it's all not. this crap it- actually really happened. And this is on Netflix, the documentary? The documentary is on Netflix. Um, so one of the... I'm not spoiling anything. I I did see that they, they throw this out as a... One of the... Both sides are trying to figure out what happened the whole time. Because yeah. he insists he wasn't in the house when it happened. Right. And, the, and they've already covered this in the very first episode. The medical examiner in Durham refused to say that she died of blunt force trauma because it's like, she doesn't have any skull fractures. If he was hitting mm-hmm. her in the head with something, she should have a skull fracture. Right. Um, so both sides throw out all these wild hypotheses about how it could happen. One of the hypotheses that they, they don't make a big deal out of it in the documentary. They do cover it, and it's the one that you can Google it, and there's all this stuff written about it. There's a theory that she got attacked by an owl. <laughs> and the funny That's thing is, theory. the owl theory, which is ridiculous, except in North Carolina, in that part of it, there are these huge owls like these yeah. gigantic ones and they do swoop down and attack people and the theory is as she was going into the house the owl like clamped onto her head and so what really happened was she didn't fall down the stairs she was literally fighting the owl on the stairs because one of the things they couldn't explain is that she has like she has like cuts on her hands and she has blood under her fingernails uh-huh. but he didn't have any defensive wounds and the blood under her fingernails was not his it was hers Wow. And then the weird things in her head that they're trying to figure out what made these dents, the talons of the owl would actually, like, fit. It would actually <laughs> make it. 
And so that well, what she found with a Tootsie Pop in her hand by any yes, chance. That's right. How many licks to get to the center <laughs> of a Tootsie Pop? Um, wow. Yeah, the owl defense was not was never actually used in the court. owl defense. Yeah, right. The legal um, it's a very high legal defense. The owl defense. And there's two trials, uh, and neither trial did they uh, was the owl defense used. Uh, but they wow. did say I did read a thing, and they said they will talk about the owl. <laughs> you will get someone at some point because apparently his oh, and I think I think I know who's the guy is going to do it. So they sh- they show the next door neighbor, and the neighbor yeah. is the one who had the owl like wrote up a whole. He wrote this whole paper about it because that was his theory was that it was mm-hmm. the owl. The guy who plays the neighbor, it took me a while to place him because of the ridiculous hairpiece that he's wearing, is the guy who plays Jerry on Parks and Recreation. No. Okay. It's hysterical. The voice. I'm like, God, that sounds like Jerry. And then I couldn't, yeah. for a few scenes, I couldn't actually see him. And then finally, I'm like, oh, yeah. God, that's who they picked. I can't <sighs> believe they picked him. Um. The other other real life thing that I watched, um, I can't think of the name of it now. I forgot to write it down. It's about it's it's on Netflix. It's about the uh, the supposed uh, Russian heiress who scammed all the people in um, scammed a bunch of bankers in New York out of money, and it's played by um, the girl from Ozark, who used to be on The Americans. Okay. Um, that's great that I can't think of any, I can't think of the name of the show, <laughs> right. but people will know when they look. If you've made it this far, people just Google it. Come on. Um, the funny thing is Anthony Edwards is in that playing a banker who she, um, who she convinces to give, give her money. Mm-hmm. He also plays a banker in the, in we crash the, we work thing who gives Adam Newman a bunch of money. It's like, so apparently that's what Anthony Edwards does now. He's typecast now. Yeah. He's no longer good. Okay. He gets duped in these uh, in these true crime uh, stories. Crazy, crazy. Uh, have you seen uh, We Own This Town? Uh, no, the, that I do want to. The, the David Simon, right? Yeah, I've, yeah. I've, that I need. That I, I, do I, need. I haven't had a chance to see episode two. I saw episode one. It's um, it's every Monday on HBO yeah. or HBO Max, um, and he's. Some of his, some of the, you'll see some of the wire guys popping back up in it. Sure. Um, but uh, the first episode was was really good. Um, is it Josh Bernthal? Is that his? Is it Josh? John? John. 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 J O N. Um. He's he plays one of the main guys, and then um. Shit, I should have really read some of this stuff down. One of the guys from Sports Night. Um. <laughs> Plays ah. the other one. Okay. Uh, Joe Rogan? No, not Joe Rogan. That's it's not Joe Rogan. <laughs> um, but it's about this uh, gun task force <clears throat> that Baltimore uh, put in that was going to help cut down on uh, crime and instead ended up being just the most corrupt thing ever. Yeah. Um, and Sounds it's very true. And, and there's a, and, and after the first episode, there's a judge, the judge who like, oversaw the task force because they had mm-hmm. to keep getting their things who just threw a fit about what bullshit it is, which means to me immediately, Oh, it's all true. <laughs> Thank you for verifying by throwing a fit. It's basically, right. basically the Jerry West of, uh, of, of, of the show. Nice. Uh, then the last thing I have is I'm one of those suckers who during the pandemic, um, watched 
all got, got all caught up, watched all the episodes of the F1 series on Netflix. F1 Drive to Survive. Okay. Um, I was only gonna, I was like, I, people are making a big deal out of this thing, and I'm like, all right, fine, I'll watch a couple. And I just, you can't, once you start watching it, you can't you start hooked. watching it. Okay. Uh, it's made F1, which was already the most popular racing league in the world, it, ridiculously more popular than it even used to. Mm-hmm. And it's weird because it feels, F1 to me doesn't feel like a sport. Mm-hmm. It's now, it's a TV series and a video game, just like merged together. <laughs> right. So for people who don't follow F1, and I, I feel like maybe I'm talking to one a person. Who yeah, I, I'm not a huge uh, F1 guy myself. Yeah. So there are only, there are only 10 teams that race in F1 and each has two drivers. Okay. So you only have to learn 20 guys. It's smaller than a baseball roster. Right. And then there's this, these people called the principals, which are basically like the general managers, probably, of the right. teams. And those guys love TV time. And the two most prominent ones are a guy named Toto Wolf, who is the Mercedes guy. And he's, this, he's kind of this big, handsome uh, German. Right. And Christian Horner, who, does the, who is in charge of the Red Bull team. And Christian okay. Horner, they, they give these people, they give the, the document crew incredible access. They follow right. them home. They do whatever. So, like the second episode, you go to this country estate in England with Christian Horner, and you see his wife, mm-hmm. and you're looking at her like, I know who that is. Who is that? And you realize it's Ginger Spice. <laughs> he just happens to be married to Jerry Hollowell. Nice. Um, but you get to meet all the drivers, and the drivers are, like, ridiculously telegenic. It's clear right. that when they hire the drivers – you, yes, you need to be able to drive, but you really need to be able to sell stuff. Okay. That's almost as important as actually being able to drive. Gotcha. Um, but then when they cover the races, it's ridiculous. There, <laughs> there's, there, are, <clears throat> there are cameras everywhere. That's why it feels yeah. like a video game. Like If you play the F1 video game that EA Sports puts out, it's, it's the same thing. Really? You, okay. could, you, know, you could see it, th- there are cameras in the cockpit looking out. There are cameras on the car looking in. There mm-hmm. are drones flying over the thing to cover every inch of the racetrack. There are, you can hear the drivers whenever they want. Um, so you can hear what they're saying back and forth and stuff. They can break into whatever they want, like Taylor McGregor. Exactly. No, yeah. She would be, they should add her to the F1 coverage. <laughs> so like in Miller Park, right? If a ball mm-hmm. is hit into the right field corner, you can't see it. They've right. never been able to see it. They've never been able to figure out where to put a camera there. You can't see that. But they can go to like a uh, a racetrack in Italy, and they can somehow show you every freaking inch of a two-and-a-half-mile <laughs> racetrack. They can do that. Right. Um, so it's incredible. So you watch the – you know, you, you watch it, and there's, all, there's always all this drama. There's all this drama about drivers switching teams or drivers losing a spot. There's There's mm. one whole subplot about how this – Russian oligarch buys a team and he basically makes, you know, there's only two driver spots on the whole team. He makes his son, one of the two drivers, <laughs> his son bitches the whole time about how the fact they're setting up his car different than the other guy. The right. other guy is Max Schumacher, who just happens to be the son of Michael Schumacher, like the most accomplished F1 racer of all time. And they're basically cool. trying to tell him, no, he's, he's, this is, he's Mick Schumacher. He's really good. You suck. That's why your car sucks. The oligarch pulls his money out of the team, and the team almost goes bankrupt. <laughs> um, 
So it, do the so, Rickets do the Rickets get involved at some point or not? Oh, I'm sure they're trying to buy in. I yeah. feel like at Ken Griffin to try to throw some money at one of the teams. They probably right. could buy Williams, which was this once proud English team <laughs> that is now always finishing. You know, their drivers always finish 19th and 20th. It's right, kind of right. sad. Yeah. Um, but there are guys in it that are like the the head of the uh, of the McLaren team. The McLaren has the the coolest looking cars. They're uh, they're orange and blue. They're really sharp. Uh, a guy named um. Is it Zach? A guy named Zach Brown, not the not the country singer, but another not guy. The, he's an American, and then there's another guy named Otmar, Otmar, and he's American. He went to mm-hmm. Wayne State University, but he's like originally he was like born in Romania or something, and he's one <laughs> of the team principals. They're all really good. They're, um, it's it's really interesting to hear them talk, and you meet the drivers, and then like it's very noticeable. Like in the first season. The Mercedes guys not really cooperating as much as the other teams. Like you could tell, they weren't convinced. And so Lewis Hamilton, who has you know won seven championships in a row, is mm-hmm. barely in it. Like you wouldn't even know he was one of the drivers by season two. It's he's everywhere because clearly yeah. after the first season, somebody said, "We have the most famous driver in the world. I think maybe we should cooperate and get him on the show." Put him in the show. Yeah, exactly. Um, so the crazy thing about it. So you watch all this stuff. And you're like, I think I'm going to watch the races. The races are the exact same thing. There's cameras mm-hmm. everywhere. The other thing is, they as the cars got faster over years, they didn't lengthen the races. Mm. So these races are like 90 minutes long. Oh, I like that. Okay. And because they're mostly in Europe, it's 9 o'clock in the morning. Right. So by 1030, you're done. You're done. But the way they cover them, they'll do like an hour. If they're on ESPN. But it's actually the Sky Sports feed from England, from Europe. Um, everybody like mills around on the track up until like mm-hmm. the guys are getting in the cars, and they're still like, "Hey, let's get a let's get a quick interview with a driver, uh, Daniel mm-hmm. Ricardo," and he'll talk to him. He's like climbing yeah. into the car, and he'll talk to him. Wow! But then when they cover the race, that's that also feels like the video game because you everything you need to see is always there, and when they need to go into like. When a, one car passes another one, um, they immediately go to replay from. They can show you replays from inside both cars, and so they will. Mm-hmm. It's just it's ridiculous just how much access <laughs> you have. So I can see why that sport is um, has gotten popular because it's it's super easy to follow. You only have to you only have to you really don't even have to know all twenty guys. There's like four really good teams. You know those eight drivers. You're set. So and it's like. My, that's half the time, question. half the time of a baseball game. It's half like. the time of a baseball game. Yeah. Well, uh, now next time when we talk, you have to, the the George Carlin documentary is coming out. So yeah, we'll I did talk see about that. The yes. Judd Apatow. Yeah. Yeah. All right. There so is there anything anything you're watching that I didn't uh, hit on my master list? Here? I think you've hit uh, everything. Uh, Ozark, of course. If you know, people should watch Ozark. Um, but we've hit the we've hit the biggies. I think. Yeah. Well, good. I hope people. Uh, I hope there's at least a few things people are like. Oh, I give that a shot. It's all yeah, good. Yeah, those are 1883. All the yeah. Oh no, I got one more recommendation, which I I have already written about this once in the newsletter. Uh, the two biggest fans of the show appear to be Maureen Ryan, who used to write for the Tribune and now writes for um, uh, which. Which one of your trade publications out there? Not the Hollywood Reporter, the other. Variety. I think she writes Variety. Variety, okay. Uh, We both love this show. It's a show called uh, The Great Pottery Throwdown. (laughs) Okay. It's on HBO Max. 
and it's it's like it's it's comfort food watching. It's literally they get these like I think they start with a dozen uh, aspiring potters in England, <laughs> mm-hmm. and they do these challenges every week, and they have to vote. Somebody, somebody gets booted every week, mm-hmm. and it's it's really funny if you go back and start watching on the very first season. Some of the potters weren't very good. Like it's very clear that after the first season, a bunch of really good potters are like, "Shit, I should be on this show." Now they're so all like, really good. So it's like Survivor for people that make it, pots. It is. Okay. And so you're like, "Well, that seems stupid," but I don't know. It's very, very relaxing. Everybody's cool. They all like each other. Like there are no squabbles. Like they all yeah. they get genuinely upset when one of them gets has to go home. Right. Um, yeah. But the the star of the thing is a guy named this this big this big judge named Keith Reimer Jones. He's this big dude and he cries all the time. The drop of a hat. Yes. Like somebody'll make something he'll look at it and he'll just think it's the greatest thing in the world and he'll just be so proud of them that he'll start crying. And then they start crying cuz he's crying. Um <clears throat> but one of the things that's that's really cool about the show is when they there's certain challenges that he will demonstrate to them. Mm-hmm. And you could just see how freaking good he really is. So it makes it then when he like gets all excited about them doing something, it means more because it's not like some, you know, um, it, you could, you could just tell like how proficient he really is. He'll do these things. Yeah. With, like they, they, a couple of times a season, they'll do a thing where they have to wear blindfolds while they're spinning mm-hmm. the wheel and doing their stuff. And he does it and he just zips right through it and puts it up. And then you watch them all struggle with it and there's shit flying everywhere. And it's great. Right. So there's always there's there's three main characters other than the thing. There's um well actually there's four. <laughs> so there's um there's Keith the judge and there's the other judge who I can't remember his name. That's how good he is. Uh but he's yeah. he's relatively new. He used to be the guy who ran the kiln. He worked <laughs> his way up to judge. And he's good. Wow. Okay. Um the new person who does the kiln is you just have to see this person. When they get to like season 4, it's just yeah. It's amazing. And then there's a host. And it's mm-hmm. always been uh it's it's always been a woman. The one who did the first two seasons was really funny. And I thought, well, that's pretty good, but, but season three she's gone. Well it turns out that it changed networks in England. Ah. And so they yeah. went with somebody and then they had just a gorgeous host for that third season. Just incredible. Mm-hmm. They got rid of her after the third season and they got this they hired they had a comedian, this lady named Siobhan. Mm-hmm. Who I thought oh, this is gonna suck. She's genuinely funny. <laughs> but they start this this season that just dropped on HBO. The whole thing is there. People can watch the whole thing. She's not. She does like the intro, and basically <laughs> says that right before filming, she fell down and broke her leg in two places, oh, and geez. is going to miss the first half of the season. So she has a fill-in, and I stared at the fill-in for like half the first episode, trying to figure out who it was. And do you watch Ted Lasso? Mm-hmm. Um, so the Ted's boss's friend, the one he sleeps with, mm-hmm. it's her. It's her. It took awesome. me a while. I'm like, oh, it's the one who Ted Lasso had sex with. Nice. She's also very funny. <laughs> um, but she's only she's she's filling in. She's the interim host until some point later in the season when Siobhan will take over. Gotcha. Um, I think that's it, except for um, also on HBO Max. 
there's a show about a dog rescue in England where uh, they try to pair people come in and they need they try to rescue a dog and they pair them with the dog and whatever. Mm-hmm. And the show is just great. <laughs> if you like dogs at all, you'd love that show. Right. Um, breaks your heart when the fosters fail and the dog comes back, but yeah. usually they get usually they get placed. I can't think of the name of that show, but people should go look for that one too. Well, there's right. plenty of, plenty to watch. Plenty to watch. That's all I got. Yeah, you only have 24 hours in the day. Yeah. But put two TVs next to each other, and you can knock these off two at a time. There you go. Nice. All right. All right. That's all I got. Me too. What we we are, an hour and 40 minutes of me babbling about. Yep. Babbling, me babbling about TV shows that you're like, that's great. I'm not on that. I don't care. <laughs> you stopped recording, I take it? No, still not. Oh, you're still going. Okay. Yes. There we go. All right. Well, um, Yes, we were just talking before we got on that it's uh, it is well beyond time. We are gonna pick up the movie deep dives again. Yes, and so here in the relatively near future, we will be doing uh, Young Frankenstein. Young Frankenstein coming at you. All right. Excellent. Well, until then. All right, Annie. All good right. talking to you. Well, thanks, Mike. We'll see you then. Many of us have herpes. 